Welcome to God Pods, Faith Conversations from Boston College's Church in the 21st Century Center. Welcome to God Pods. I'm Karen Kiefer. Today we'll meet Gretchen Pine, mother, wife, author, motivational speaker, and the member of a group that she never sought to become a part of, a bereaved parent. Yes, Gretchen and her husband Warren and their twin sons, Drew and Dylan, lost their precious daughter, sister, Lulu, when she was just four years old after a tragic accident in an ice cream stand following a beautiful day at the beach. It was a July day. We're gonna go back 17 years when her family, her faith, everything changed forever. We'll talk about how we find God in times of great loss and how we begin to find ourselves again by the grace of God. Gretchen, welcome to God Pods. We're so happy to have you with us. And thank you for your willingness to share your heart and your family and your faith and your precious Lulu with us. Well, my goodness, thank you for having me. This is quite an honor and hopefully um, I can spread some love and some light and some hope and some joy and do what my purpose is here, I believe. So you're helping me fulfill my dreams. So thank you. You, you mentioned when we were offline that you're actually um, sitting in Lulu's garden right now. Can you just explain yeah. for the listeners where you are? Well, we're lucky enough to own a little, little tiny postage stamp piece of um waterfront property in Wareham, Massachusetts. Um, so small, you can't even build a house on it. So it's, it's just a little garden. When Lulu passed, we turned it into a memorial garden. So um, it's tucked in, it's quiet. There's hydrangeas blooming and lilies. And I just, just they're just starting to pop and it's overlooking the other side of the harbor, which ironically and serendipitously is where Lulu is, is buried to this day. Um, a seashell curved walk, you know, walkway with a sign that says angels and butterflies welcome here. Um, it's been a place of healing and growth and frustration. And now it's a, just a place of peace and mm. um, a sanctuary happiness. of sorts. Yes. Well, well, I, I, I want to go back. In fact, not to interrupt, but just this morning, um, Dylan, our son, who is now 26, he and I did yoga this morning at Lulu's Garden. So that was, it was, it, it's, it's awesome. So. A great way to start the day. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So Gretchen, I want to go back um, to June 9th, 2004. And I know for myself, I woke up and I got the Boston Globe and I started to read Bella English's story called Losing Lulu about your family. And I just couldn't get over it. And I sat there and I thought to myself, how can this woman navigate the labyrinth of unspeakable grief? I mean, how is she going to do this? And and I'm a mother of four daughters and I just, I, I felt so compelled to find you and to reach out to you and to just say, I'm sorry. And, um, and that's when we started a conversation that actually never ended. And we've been friends ever since. And I think about um, Lulu so often 
And I'm wondering, I never had the chance to meet Lulu. So Mm -hmm. I thought maybe we begin by you sharing Lulu. Who was the Lulu that you knew? Well, the Lulu we knew, um, you know, just turned four. Uh, Little girl, blonde hair, blue-eyed, sassy, um, of course, physically intriguing and beautiful, but it was this energy that it was captivating. It was, you know, I, you know, that, that magic that little children have that no matter what mood you're in, they can just bring you to their moment. And she seemed to have that, um, just sassy and funny and quirky and goofy and smart. Um, interestingly enough, she always carried a little tablet with her and a pen as if she were writing something. And I'd ask her, what are you doing? And she'd say, I'm writing a story. And I'd say, well, what kind of story are you writing? And she'd say, just a story. And she only knew really how to write our name. So it was just her name, you know, over pages and pages and doodles and drawings. But she walked sort of like a dance. The grocery store was an adventure. She wore her plastic high heel Toys R Us shoes and her boa. And so glad I allowed that. Um, she was a big yes. personality. Yes. Yes. Huge personality. Um, of course, she was human. Um, she was imperfect, even at that age, even as we all, I remember having to, you know, give her timeouts, you know, because she was sassy. She was an independent little, she was a leader already. She broke her leg once, and I felt so bad. What was she going to do? And she had gone to preschool, and I thought, oh, my goodness, she's going to be left alone. And I walked in, and she had all the kids crawling on the floor following her. Um, <laughs> so that's. And she was our center, you know, being the youngest and two older twin brothers. And we just sort of centered our life around her magic. And mm-hmm. that was a great thing. So can we go back as hard as it is to that July day? Can can you yeah. just walk us through um, a piece of the day and, and then, of course, what happened? Sure. Well, imagine, if you will, like you had... And, you know, I know everyone out there, no one's family's perfect. Let's just get that laid out from the start. But let's just say you're having the perfect family day and you go to the beach and it's just the perfect day. And then you end the day to get an ice cream cone. And, you know, the this moment whereby it's just so freakishly beautiful and horrific at the same time. And you uh, grab that thing and you move. Hold on, I'm going to breathe. One minute. Um, Lulu was sort of holding a mint chocolate chip ice cream, dancing under, you know, the uh, a rain had started to form, and um, it was a mist, a light rain. And I thought, oh, she looks so beautiful. I'll never forget this moment when she was sort of dancing there, and a rainbow appeared, and then another rainbow appeared, a double rainbow, and the boys had gone inside of this ice cream stand. Um, they had little video games, and so I went inside to grab them and brought them outside and to see this beautiful, magnificent, magnificent double rainbow. We stood next to what we thought was a fence at the time to pose in front of a beautiful double rainbow. Ta-da, look at this rainbow, and it wasn't a fence, it was a a makeshift, unanchored bicycle rack that toppled over, landed on her, and severed her heart. 
Mm. So instantly you run to Lulu. And right. the next thing you know, you we find... We start CPR. Yeah, the whole nine yards. Call, call an ambulance. I started chest compressions. One started to um, breathe. The nurse came over. You know, long ambulance ride, knowing that it wasn't going to end well. Mm-hmm. Um, the boys, we knelt down and prayed and just prayed and prayed. And, you know, God really worked in messed up ways sometimes. Yeah. And then, but, yeah. When you, when you got to the hospital and mm-hmm. um, realized that Lulu yeah. was gone to heaven, mm-hmm. um, I remember you told me that the doctor said something right then, knowing just, again, how the anguish and how unspeakable mm-hmm. this pain would right. be. Right. Uh, the emergency room doctor was a miracle, amazing. All the team was amazing. And he just said, you know, I, I don't know what to tell you. I can only tell you what's been told to me. And the, the only advice I can give you is you just got to keep doing what you do, even though you're not going to want to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Get back into your routine. Just, you know, sort of man to man. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. So we went to Cape Cod on a family vacation, five, a family of five, and drove over those bridges and drove back over the Cape Cod bridges as a family of four. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, I wanted to talk, and I hope I'm not, but I think this is a good time to throw that word that you so amazingly just sent me the meaning to, uh, the word of, but it was that desolation mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And that was, you know, the sound that came, that, that um, come out of you, that you're unaware that they're you until you realize one moment, oh, those sounds are me. Or, so the next morning there was a cemetery across the street and I just had to get out and walk. And it was an old, old cemetery and the fog was like, you know how it has that morning dew. Mm-hmm. And it was so surreal and, I was just looking at those people just buried there and families buried. And I'm like, this is so sad. No one, like, what's your name? Like, I wanted to know everyone's story. And I'm so sorry people have forgotten who you are. And, and cars started going by. And it's like, how how can cars go by? Why, why am I still breathing? Why is the world still spinning? And that moment of desolation where you feel the absence of God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, faith reminds us that, we're not alone, but in moments like that, that you just described, I mean, you're so alone and so hurt and so angry and so lost mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and just so mm-hmm. again, alone. Mm-hmm. How, right. long, how you know, long did you and feel as a that? mother and a wife, knowing that your children were hurting and your husband was suffering and you had your own suffering going on. So, you know, there's just so many dynamics and it's, it's normal to feel what you feel and don't ever apologize in those moments to, of despair of feeling what you feel because it's healthy to acknowledge them, I think, you know? But knowing you now and knowing you for years, like I was always so amazed how um, you were able somehow to crawl 
out of that desolation and like somehow look for signs. It was almost like you were just looking everywhere to, to see, to feel Lulu um, in, a, in a rainbow, in a, in a dragonfly, in a lesson, mm -hmm. in a story. Um, mm -hmm. did, did that happen? You know, it, it, that must've taken a while or did that happen right away during your desolation? You know, I, thinking back, it's as if I, it's hard to describe. I would feel such intense pain and such intense joy. And I knew that that joy wasn't coming from me. I knew that that joy was her. How could it be coming from me? And I could just feel that joy and, and the, the amazing capacity of humanity to just open their hearts. You know, when you go through such a tragedy, you see God working. You smell it. You feel it. It's a, it's a sense. It's a, it's a, energy and people let down their walls and you get to see humanity without walls there's a window of time there and it's it's powerful so with that said i knew that her energy just went everywhere mm -hmm. it, she wasn't it was everywhere and i couldn't explain it to someone it was just a feeling it's just you just and then the the timing of things, the dragonfly shows up. Or, you know, I wanted to talk to you, if you don't mind, one quick second during that process. I did start writing, and it was the creative process, not realizing how healing it was. I just wanted selfishly to sort of remember her and remember the stories. And the creativity really started to unfold, and I feel like I was tapped into something greater than myself. And I thought, I'm never going to be able to laugh again. I'm never going to be able to laugh again. This is going to be a sad life for me, you know, kind of one of those moments. And all of a sudden, I felt something prickly rub against my left thigh. And oh my gosh, why is that? I, my first instinct was to scream, but I don't know if it's because I was grieving and I've been whatever. I just couldn't get the scream out. Like I got caught in my throat. And thank goodness, because it was the hugest, fattest skunk you've ever seen in your life brushed by me and waddled down into a little burrow we had on the edge of the, the beach. Oh. And at that moment, I just... It was, you know, the laughter through the tears kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit more. And that gave me hope. So, yes. I was going to say, talk a little bit more about the writing and the creativity. Yeah, and, and, yeah sure. And, and about Lulu's rose-colored glasses. Yeah, well, the, the rose-colored glasses, I, I just jotted down before she passed, actually, a true story on a green room one day, and I just kind of wrote it down and... I've always loved Dr. Seuss, so it just kind of came out in poet form, and, and I just kind of wrote it down to remind myself as a mother, you know, just be patient, you know, be kind, don't don't lose your cool, whatever, and be an insecure, you know, person that that I can be. I was like, oh, you know, it's just it's a silly story, no one will ever buy it or whatever. 
And it wasn't until Lulu died, and I was like, oh, my goodness. I went right back to that. It was like her message to me from, you know, like almost if she knew I needed it, you know, like it was her story to me to help me for when she was, it was the time to go. And um, then, you know, the, the, the writing preceding that was all the other stories that, um, that I just wanted to remember. And it's it, in that process, you were just releasing, releasing emotions, releasing things that are trapped in your energy field, your spiritual field, whatever. And um, it's healing and cathartic. And you don't realize so much so until in retrospect how healing it is. And whether you think it's, you're good or not, it doesn't matter. It's just doing something creative can just for you, yourself. Can you share um, um, that moment in the car um, that was actually uh, the Lulu's sure. Rose Colored Glasses story? Yeah. Um, and sure. kind of bring that to life and maybe I know you probably know the story that you wrote by heart maybe a quick mm -hmm. a quick uh, mm -hmm. verse well do you want the real story or do you want just the, the quip from the book no I, I want the real story and then oh, the quip from okay. the book yeah, yeah. Um, so it was about three and it was a great New England day I'm from Iowa we get really beautiful springs there we get the sun not used to living out here and you know, just the gray, monochromatic gray after day after day, you know. So it's been like 40 days. We hadn't seen the sun or 30. I don't remember, but I was in a bad mood, grocery shopping, and Lulu's in the backseat of the car. The boys were due to get home on the bus. You know, three kids, busy mom. We can all relate. And Lulu excitedly found a pair of those colored glasses in the back of the car. Her father had bought them for her, and she had lost them, and she was so excited to have found them. And She's like, oh, mama, and she put them on, and she's just, oh, mama, telling me how beautiful everything is. I'm like, yeah, yeah, all right, Lou, we got to get home. We have X, Y, and Z to do. And she just wouldn't stop. Just, you know, come on, mama, mama. And I just said, Lou, all right, you know, would you just be quiet and kind of leave me alone? You know, just, just be quiet for a minute. And I had a moment of grace. I looked in the rearview mirror, and I saw what my energy was doing to this beautiful, happy little girl. And I thought, whoa. I said, all right, Lulu. I felt so guilty. I said, all right, Lulu, I'll, I'll try them on. We got home. I put them on. And magically, my whole attitude changed entirely for the day. And it was then that I realized that you can change your perception at any given second. It takes one second. And I thought, wow, this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to write this down. So I, I don't remember, so I don't forget, you know, so that I'll always remember this. And at the end of the day, that day, I said, you know, Lulu, can I, can I have your both colored glasses? And she said, no, Mama, you need to find your own. And I thought, wow, that's a story. You know, that, that's something to hold on to. So it, it, it's been something for me to hold on to for, you know, 17 years now. And I still go back to that story, you know, because it's, it's moment to moment finding that happening sometimes. Do you remember um, off the top of your head a passage sure. from the book? Yeah. Um, so after the car and the scene and I I looked at her face and she had on a little grin. Didn't she know the mood I was in? And then I said, okay, Lulu, listen, we're almost home. Would you please be quiet and leave me alone? I looked at her sweet little face and then gone with her wonderful magical grin. 
And I said, okay, Lulu, I'll try them on. I said, rather sad, wondering why in the world I had gotten so mad. So on went the dark glasses, so rosy on my face. And here's the key thing for me, in spite of myself, in spite of myself. So on went the dark glasses, so rosy on my face. In spite of myself, the world seemed a more beautiful place. Mm -hmm. Gone with the gray that had made me so glum. Everything was pink and rosy and plump. So I think to this day, we, you know, and I know I have moments where I just kind of get in a, a spot and I just kind of wallow in it and I make myself go back to my work, my, my prayer, my meditation, mm-hmm. my breath work, my daily thing that I must do for my own health. And it's almost in spite of myself. Okay. It seems but like the it book it's, the book itself, Gretchen, is really like a prayer when I think about it. And then, you know, I know that you've given away and sold thousands and thousands of these books over the years. And yeah. I've been yeah. to many of, of your, your book events or book signings and just the lines yeah. of people that, that want to come and, and, and get a book and put on their rose colored glasses or just a chance to talk to you because they need, they need the glasses. They need the prayer. They need the help. Um, and that was all part of healing for you. Yes, yes. And and in fact, it's so like I needed to hear that just now that people need to hear that. Like I forget how powerful that is and people need to hear it. People lose hope Mm. and they lose faith. And it's easy to when when you're not diligent and and, and you you don't have to do anything and that's okay. But um, maybe in spite of yourself, you know, Right. Well, it does also speak to how faith is such a discipline. You know, it's something that that we as humans have to discipline ourselves to to practice and stay centered and and focused. And I think back um, about this unimaginable time and, you know, men and women, husbands and wives, when they lose a child, Mm -hmm. they I would imagine they grieve differently. Um, Maybe they obsess in different ways and, uh, you know, not to get too personal, but how how did that unfold a little bit in your beautiful family? Well, wait a minute, Cam. You already got a little too personal. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You know, yeah, I think, you know, I think it's, it's for the mother father thing. Typically, it's, you know, the energy of the male wanting to protect, you know, and more to deal with that. I mean, you know, and he has, and it, that's his nature to be protected. He's the protector. You know, that was, that's his role. And, you know, that's who he is. Um, yeah. And so dealing with that, and he's a private person. Um, mm-hmm. For me, you know, the, doing the Lulu work, which I always call it, was what I had to do. It was my calling. It was my purpose. Otherwise, if if I didn't, then what did it mean? Does it mean nothing or everything? You know, I could. It's like it means everything, and and it was a real challenge. You know, with me always in, in out there with the Lulu stuff and him wanting to grieve privately, and mm-hmm. there was that that dichotomy, and that's the honest truth, and it was. 
a lot of love, a lot of hugs, a lot of allowing each other to grieve the way you want to, you need to grieve. Um, a lot of hard work there too. Yeah, I'm but sure. It's, um, you know, it's, you know, for a mother to have had this child grow in your womb, to have given birth to this child, to have nursed, you know, this, this, you know, and fathers get that as well, but it's, you know, it's, 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 it's different. It's, you know, it, it just is. How are the boys? The boys are good. <laughs> uh, Dylan is Dylan's Dr. Dylan now, and he's a lady who's here on his board. He works at our chiropractic office, which is a wellness center. And I do yoga, and Dylan's doing the x-rays and, you know, exercise consults with patients. And it's working out. It's working out good. And so, um, and Drew's, uh, as his captain license, he's on a tugboat in Texas. And he comes home every 28 days for 14 days, which I love. And we have our solitude, our little place in Vermont, and the boys, when they come and we get that time together, it's magical. Yeah, I've been able to to witness your tight-knit family, and just I admire, too, so much how you all really live in the present with each other. And I remember you saying to, um, you know, parents along the way, like, hug your child, love your child, like, be here today, be present, because they could be gone, you know, and just how you share that message, but not only share it, you live it. Right? Yeah, exactly. I think, you know, just on a quick side thing, it was like, you know, doing the Lulu work for as hard as I was pushing, pushing for so many years, it was it got to that point as well. It's like, okay, wait a minute. I'm telling everyone to spend time with their families and do this. And, you know, I I actually had to practice that as well. Um, and it's been, we unplug our phones. We go to Vermont. You know, we just unplug. And we're with each other. And we're outdoors with each other. And we're, you know, we're just with each other. Cooking together. You know, just working as a team. And, Hiking, whatever we're doing, but um, doing projects, but you know, cell phones are off. We have dinner together. You know, just that. Yeah, it's pretty simple. Mhm. And and pretty priceless. You know. Totally priceless. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. know, uh, yeah. Gretch. I know you being the creative person that you are, and and you're so mm-hmm. filled with God's grace and and energy, and I know that you. Are a, that you have amazing dreams, and I, I, you, you've dreamt about Lulu. You've seen Lulu in your dreams, and you've mm-hmm. been to heaven and back. And can you mm-hmm. just give us a glimpse of, of, you know? I remember one powerful dream you shared with me, but I, and I think that really inspired one of your other books. But can you can you give us a little piece of your imagination? Sure. Uh, um. Yeah, but in mind, you know, the dream is that it's that ethereal place. It's that place where you get transported, right, to the other side, you know. And um, I had a dream whereby I was in this plain, blank, white space. There was nothing around. There was no floor, no ceiling, nothing. And all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I saw Lulu coming at me instead of blankie, which is significant because she always had a blankie. And two days before she passed, we couldn't find it. And we still haven't found it. And Maureen Hancock has since said, yeah, she brought a blankie up with her to heaven. <laughs> it's just ironic. But she had a blankie with her. And 
oh my goodness, I scooped her up. I could, like, all the senses that you sense here are there, like, the smell, the, I could smell her, I could feel her, and it was just, our hearts were beating together, and it was, you know, like, just, just, it was a moment of heaven, and I don't know how long we were there, but she was so excited, she said, let me show you, let me show you what I do, let me show you what I do, and we went into space, it was like a world about Borealis, only it was a light background with a rainbow of colors. And she said, Mama, watch. And all the colors were still, like a still life. And she started to dance and twirl. And the rainbow and the colors, like majestic colors, like your eyes couldn't see on this plane, just mm. moving and swirling around her and through her. And then it went into her as if to her glasses, into glass. And it went into her like rainbow water, if you will. And she became it, and it became her, and it was all one. And I go, oh, my goodness, oh, my goodness. And she sort of looked at me with without eyes. I know it's weird, but took my hand and with a silhouette. She said, look, Mommy, you can do it, too. And within a moment, we were dancing and twirling and giggling and laughing and creating one of those spiral, uh, what were those things we played with as a kid? You know, those things you put the, the color on, the spin wheel color on? Oh, yes, yeah. You know, yeah, I and know what you're talking about. created this, like, color splattering and, and just giggle and laughter and no noise but us. And that was my heaven. And that was another message. And that was that it's everywhere. We're, we're, the rainbow, you know, is all of us. It's uh, the energy is, it's not, heaven's not here or there. It's here now, everywhere. Mm. And and I get those moments with the boys, you know, just unplugging and going for a hike and you're on a beach with a dragonfly or it's those moments that you just sort of carry with you and it's as real as me standing here now talking to you. Mm. So in those I so, guess... and ironically on this very day I just got a text from a friend who's in I do a goddess class. Uh, once a month, and she's in the class, and she had a vivid dream with uh, Lulu last night, and she just texted me this whole beautiful dream, and it's like those are the unexpected treasures and trinkets and gifts, and when one person, a story or energy impacts another and impacts another, that's the miracle, you know. Mm, the glimpses of of those miracles in your life, and the the awareness that that they're happening and and the gratefulness and the gratitude that that you offer to Lulu is is just beautiful to to witness I can say as your friend and um, I also think too that those are some of the things that death can't take away right mm. you know I mean death well, takes beyond, away so much beyond that. but looking for the death. things that death can't take away right it's it's beyond death you know it if it's greater than it mm-hmm. can't. It's it's a mathematical, like you can't do it. Energy can't die, you know. <laughs> mm. And we just, you know, see it from our little window, our little perspective, and you get stuck with the pain and all the emotions that come with it, and just learning to release those and let them go, and finding the joy and finding the love and living in that and. It's real, intangible. And yet, 
so hard to live out, like to just learn to give our lives to God and to, to just let go. And I think about what makes it so hard for we as humans to, to, to not let go. Like, what are we holding on to? Right. And we're holding well, on to, it, you know, a lot of fear. Why do you think we do that though? Why do we hold on to that one? You know, we're on a spiritual show. And a spiritual show, you wouldn't think that we'd even be talking about having to hold on to fear, but we all do. Yes. It's a programming issue or something. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's really being, being human. But, like, I remember someone said that, like, letting go it feels like I'm giving up or I'm, I'm failing or, or is um, letting go mm-hmm. kind of, uh, many of us not wanting to face like the roots of our, our problems or our challenges. And yeah, it's, it's just mm-hmm. really hard. And I, I do think through, through prayer and practice and being attentive, you know, that helps. And I know that you share such a deep belief that, that God has a purpose for each and every one of us and that God has a plan for us. And, and it's taken, you, you've said it, it's taken you a while sometimes to realize like, what's your purpose or to trust that, that trust in his purpose. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you put it exactly the way you did. And I, you know, I think when, getting right to the center of that issue is the ego and, and that starts to get in all of our way and we feel like it should go one way and it goes another. We feel like we're a failure if we let go and we've been programmed, we can't fail, we can't let go and, you know, a whole trust issue and it's it's a journey for sure but every single day is making conscious decision to live in this joy of living and love and light and the light that to honor, you know, selfishly to honor Lulu is that's who she was. I mean, to try to emanate something else wouldn't honor her. And mm-hmm. it's a practice of, I guess, a centered consciousness. And then eventually, and this is from Untethered Soul. I love that book. would recommend it to anyone, but it, it actually says, um, you know, eventually it just becomes your norm. That becomes you, the seed of yourself or your soul. Whereby when you start to feel those other feelings, those become the abnormal. And I can tell you, I'm not there every day, all day at all, <laughs> but it's, 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 it's way better. The scale is, is definitely way more balanced. And that's, that's just it, choosing light and love and letting the rest go. Mm. And, you know, St. Ignatius talks about making use of those things that help bring us closer to God and leaving aside those things that don't. And, and first of all, we have to recognize the things that don't, you know, and then kind of put that into practice. But I know that you pray a special intention each morning Mm -hmm. when you Mm -hmm. get up, would you could, again, I don't mean to be too personal, but could Mm -hmm. you share with us kind of like your morning intention and, and how it helps you. And then I'd like to talk a little bit more too about um, mindfulness and in, in your yoga and how that's helped you. So first of all, maybe your prayer, like when you start the day. Mm. So well, every morning I get up and I I mix up. Well, I have these essential oils that I that I use. One I make up. It's called Lulu's Magic. It's great. It has frankincense and beautiful flowers. But I activate my intention and my you know intention every day. I use a breath. I activate my intention, which is light, love, joy 
strength, intelligence, and then I breathe out and I release anything that isn't that. And selfishly, beauty. Yes, I want beauty too. <laughs> but it's activating that intention. And I metaphorically take a crown and I place it on my head and I own it because I'm aligned with divine and my higher self and releasing everything that that isn't that. Because we all have shame. We all have guilt. We all have blame. We all have fear. We all have those emotions. And it's a matter of acknowledging them and just letting them go. And so I do that every single morning. You know, as you are just talking now, Gretchen, I'm thinking about Lulu and like the dragonflies and the butterflies, you know, and just the freedom of letting go. And like, that's the message, you know? And that's so weird because I knew you were going to ask me to describe Lulu. And so I'm describing, you know, life and joy and happiness and beauty and strength. And like, oh my, like, I never put two and two together until I realized. You know, just when, you know, this came up, I was like, oh, my gosh, that's what I intentionally activate every morning of my life. Mm-hmm. So it's no wonder I I see her sign, you know? Yes. And it's in those moments that you do, and sometimes even in moments of despair. Yes. But I think there's much more when you're full of joy and light and, you know, love. Well, I know years ago someone had said to you, Happiness is a choice, mm-hmm. and and mm-hmm. that was hard to hear, you know, when you're mm-hmm. grieving. And uh, but yeah, you know, yeah. Wow. What happy people know? I think Dr. Dan Baker in his book. Yeah, it's a good book. Mm-hmm. Um, I burned a lot of books. <laughs> I bet that's you a good did. book. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a great book because you think about that. It is. It really is, and it, that's a hard pill to swallow now. It's easy for me to say sitting down in a beautiful garden, but, you know, I don't know what it's like to be, you know, starving to death. And would I say that? Right. But for me today, happiness is a choice. Mm-hmm. You know? What about um, the your yoga and your, your yeah. mindfulness mm-hmm. practice and then also how you share that with others? Yeah, so I love it. Um, love it. It's... I started using the breath work, doing my mindful meditation, and then sort of yoga found me, or I found it. I'm not sure how that worked, but, you know, just the stretches, um, because issues do get stuck in our tissue, always. You know, if you're having a tough emotional time, I'm willing to bet you're going to feel it somewhere in your body, and then you end up having to deal with that problem or, or see a chiropractor. But, the you know, issues, so the stretching with the mindfulness, opening space in your body, and really your body being the vessel for what you have here on earth today and honoring that and using the the mild stretches combined with the breath work, it creates just even more of an in-depth feeling of being connected, mind, body, and spirit, you know, because this is our vessel right now for sure. Mm -hmm. And um, so are you practicing yoga and mindfulness every day? Every day I practice personally, every day. Um, I do private and semi-private lessons at my husband's office, um, and I do events. So I just got certified actually last spring. I've done one grief children workshop this fall. I'll be doing more um, the Children's Egger Town Memorial Lighthouse. I'd like to do one there. Lou has a plaque there, um, and they asked me to write a children's book about the um, 
spirit of the Memorial Lighthouse. So, you know, there's always things going, but again, it's honoring and keeping my balance in all of this. And the privates and the semi-privates have really been um, keeping me, you know, I love it. I love it. Mm. And the, just you use the word balance. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. My, my father used to always say, God balances us out. So listen mm. to God. You know, there's a balance there. And I think that's also hard for us. Like we talked about letting go, but, but balance is, is really hard, especially in our crazy, busy age of distraction, you know, and technology and all that. You know? Oh my word! Well, see, in letting go, you find the balance. And, well, that's right? true. And that's your father was way ahead of his time, wasn't he? Yes, yes, indeed, he was. He was way ahead of his time, and and uh, and you know, he's he's in heaven, and I think he's trying to to reach me several times and saying, you know, messages like slow down and and stop, and we just have to be open to our loved ones and because they're, they're never gone, you know, they're always with us in, in spirit and in heart. And, you know, so, so here we are, Gretch, like, like 17 years later. And Uh what, what does hope look like now for you? Well, hope looks like happiness. It looks, hope is right now. That's what it looks like now. It's, yep. it's here now. It's it's everywhere. It's it's learning. You know, I have it on the tip of my tongue, Karen. It's hope is now, hope. though. You know, and and hope is love, and hope is seeing love and experiencing it, and feeling it, and living it, and. And well, there I are good days and bad days. Hope for something. Mm-hmm. Hope for happiness. Hope for joy. Because there are times when you don't have happiness or joy. But if you have a little trinket of hope for it. Yeah. Without that, you know, and, and I'm, I'm telling you there's hope. And there's hope for joy and hope for happiness. Yes, always. And I'm, I think 17 years later, the only thing that's time has done is made me more sure of it and more convicted because you know for a moment I lost it and it was probably the worst time of my life so hold on to it it's precious Mm. and if you don't have it find someone who does and hang with them right that's good advice I I hope that people listening will hang with you and visit the website lulubellbooks.com and learn more about um your books and, and some of the things that you've done and, and are doing. And then also um, how beautiful that you've honored Lulu's life with the um, Lulu Foundation. And you're doing amazing work with the Lulu Foundation. Can you just explain to our listeners what, what that's about? And Sure. Um, it's diversified. It's grassroots. So we have a scholarship fund for young girls who want to become chiropractors. Uh, Lulu's daddy's a chiropractor and her brother, and she wanted to be a chiropractor. So it's an endowed fund. So two girls get pretty nice scholarships to help them on their, you know, education. Um, we give to different organizations who help women, Boston Women's Fund, um, Gift to Give, who actually helps families, uh, water.org, um, excuse me. Um, so, and, and constantly doing, um, giving away books and offering people hope and doing the, the one-on-ones with people who've lost, you know, 
loved ones doing sessions, Reiki, yoga, mindful meditation. Uh, you know, just always looking for ways to spread some hope. Thank you for that. Gretchen, please know that uh, how incredibly grateful we are for your time and your messages and your love this afternoon and, and know that we will continue to keep you and Warren and, and the boys and, and all of your good work in our prayers. And, um, you know, life is like a rosary. It's filled with great joy and great sorrow. And, and you've certainly, you know, proven that through our conversation this afternoon. And I just want to, in the true spirit of Gretchen Pine, um, finish up the God pod by open, you know, letting people know that are suffering a loss, um, that, like you said, that there is hope. And in Matthew five says, blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. And, and knowing that we all need each other and we all need to comfort each other. And, and you've done that for so many Lulu has, and her spirit lives on. And Oh, thank you, Karen. My pleasure. My honor. Thank you. For more Catholic faith resources, follow us at bc.edu backslash c21 or via Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. <laughs>